Hi folks, I just want to remind you that what you're about to hear is the second part of, um, of a conversation that Brendan and I had uh, starting last week. We, we originally recorded it all as one big episode and ended up an hour and a half. So as I said at the beginning of last week's episode, we decided after the fact to split it up into two episodes. So as you listen to today's episode, if it sounds like we're referring to things that we just talked about, it's because when we sat down, we actually did just talk about it. But um, if you haven't listened to last week's episode, episode 33, I'd encourage you to do that before you listen to this because probably some of the things will make more sense uh, today after you've heard uh, last week's episode. So uh, today we'll be talking about episode one of The Chosen, the uh, miniseries The Chosen. And I really hope you enjoy this conversation because we sure did. Okay, so so let's let's get into episode one. Um, the 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 title for episode one is "I Have Called You by Name." So, um, I want to I want to talk about some of the characters because I think that's the way to that's probably the way to do this. And um, uh, these are not in the order in which they appear. I don't I don't remember, but I want to save Mary Magdalene plays prominently in this. But I want to save her discussion for the kind of toward the end. Um, but Nicodemus, um, mm. Nicodemus oh. is played oh, by uh, Eric Avari. Mm-hmm. Um, like if you've watched television and movies for a long time, you will recognize his face. Yeah, he's probably the only one in se- in season one that I saw that I recognized from anywhere else. Mm-hmm. They're they're mostly. Um, Largely unknown actors, at least to, to American audiences, or probably more accurately, at least to me. <laughs> right, right. Um, but what, what has he? What has, what else has he played on? Do you know? Uh, the the, the, the that, first thing that comes to my mind is if if anyone has seen the Mummy. That's right. He was yeah, on the Mummy. He's on the Mummy. Yeah, he is, that's right. Uh, he's one of the explorers. That opens up the tomb. Isn't, That's isn't right. He? Yeah, yes. yeah. He's not the bad guy, but he's no. he's he's part of that team. Right, right. So yes. and this is the 1999 film. I think 99 with uh, Brendan Fraser and, and Rachel uh, Weisz. Ra- yeah, yeah, yeah. So so that's immediately what I recognized. That's right. From. See, I I couldn't figure out where I'd seen him. I didn't look it up on IMDb. Yeah, yeah. Which I should. And, have, and he's been he's been in you know. He, he's a he's an internationally known actor too. He does yes. stuff. Yeah. He does stuff here. He does stuff uh, halfway across the world. Yeah, he, he's out there. Very um, very good actor. Oh yeah, I think. yeah. Um, very good. There's there's a I don't know if I shared this with you, but there's a there's an interview with Dallas Jenkins. Not not an interview, but it's the it's the announcement he put up on the Chosen's YouTube channel. Okay, where he actually announced the casting of Eric Avari uh, for Nicodemus. Okay, we'll, we'll. By the way, um, they're the chosen has a YouTube channel, mm-hmm. and there are lots of good videos. Oh, we're yeah. gonna we're gonna link to some of them in the show notes. Yes, um, and we'll we'll do that one. Um, help me remember to do that one. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But well, just to just to recap that real quick, uh, Dallas says, you know, going into this project, he didn't really want to have celebrities because he felt like the celebrity ness would take away from the impact of this fresh new series. But he always, he actually always had Eric Avari in mind for Nicodemus. Okay. So it took, um, 
it took Dallas's agents reaching out to Eric's agents and they, they did some back and forth and Eric was totally supportive of the project in general and was very eager to play Nicodemus once it was offered to him. Well, every, everyone else had to audition. Eric Avari did not have to audition. <laughs> it was, I think it was genius. Yeah. Oh, totally. To, to cast him as, as Nicodemus. Um, I, you know, I don't know if the show will win any awards, but he should win a, he should win an award for mm. his, the way he did that. His, his um, arc, which we're going to talk about in future episodes. Y- yes. Yes. Uh, yeah, Watching totally. Nicodemus, um, evolve a little bit, um, is just, it's a, it is a delicious, if I can use that word, it is a delicious, delicious. thing to watch. Mm. It really is. It's very just beautiful. Fine. Um, so, so how would you describe Nicodemus in, in the movie? So, I would describe him as someone who wants to do the right thing. I think the way he's portrayed in this series, and honestly, I think the way that he's even portrayed in scripture is that he's the real deal. He's not trying to trap anybody. He's not trying to, you know, he's not duplicitous. He's not trying to trick anybody. He wants to seek the truth. And if that means getting to know Jesus, he's willing to do that. Even if he doesn't necessarily accept it. Yeah. At at that certain point. Um, yeah. But I, I think he's the real deal. Uh, he's a, I think he's a solid teacher. Again, his depiction in the series. Uh, <laughs> I think he's a yeah. solid teacher. Uh, and he's a, and he's a solid uh, <clears throat> man of faith, but he doesn't let the the minutia stop him from being a good person. Yeah. I, I and specifically, he's not afraid to joke about uh, it, he's very self aware and he's able to joke about his presence. Like when he when he goes to the he goes to Schmuel's. Uh, house or house or yeah for like uh for a, like a little dinner and he makes a joke about the sardines and Shmuel, Shmuel how do you say his name Shmuel 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 yeah, or, it's, yeah it's whatever the, Samuel is the way we've Englishized that but it's Shmuel yeah well I'll, I'll I'll just call him Sammy yeah so <laughs> so so he goes to Sammy's house and you know Sa- uh, Sammy is like so so uh, scared that he's going to do something that will offend. Uh, Nicodemus and when Nicodemus comes in he cracks a joke about there not being any sardines yeah <laughs> and Sammy goes into a panic he's, and he's like out. he's like he's like well it was just a joke yeah <laughs> calm down yeah so I don't know I just I think it's very enjoyable yeah yeah so he Nicodemus is a he is a, he's clearly in the in the movie and this is I again I think that they did a pretty good job here with most of the characters he's a noted teacher he's got a lot of respect and somewhat some amount of adoration um, that his position afforded him in that culture. Uh, highly respected. Um, he is uh, in this in this scene. I think it's that scene. He's uh, maybe it's a no. Maybe it's another. It's another scene. He's he's called to someone's house to lead uh, Shabbat, which is Sabbath. The mm. Sabbath. The Sabbath meal. There's a there's a, a little sort of a thing that they do before Sabbath meal. I I, I think that is Shabbat. the same scene. Yeah. Um, and he's he's you know somebody has invited him to their house to and, and asked him to lead the the Shabbat mm-hmm. ritual there. And one of the most interesting comments to me when he's thinking about he's he and his wife are getting ready to to go, 
And, and he's feeling like, oh gosh, I always get asked to do this kind of stuff. He said, and he, he said, he makes this comment. He says, when did Shabbat become theater? Mm-hmm. He doesn't like seeing himself as a performer. Somebody that's called on just to, you know, to play a part and, and uh, wave his hands and say dance, the right things and dance, monkey, dance, dance, monkey, dance. Yeah. yeah. That kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that. And, and the, that, intrigues me because having been in ministry ministers are often put in that kind of position mm. you know oh will you come and speak will you yeah. lead our prayer will you you know and nobody's been prayed for unless they've been prayed for by the minister in a lot of churches right yeah yeah the prayers of other people don't count like they do if you're the minister right and, and Ron, that it, was it a can, deep cut <laughs> that was a deep cut well Ron. i i am yeah, just telling you what's coming out of my experience <laughs> Um, and Nicodemus feels that, and he articulates that, and he yeah. says, "I'm, you know, I'm just I'm tired of being a performer. You know, a monkey that rock, walks out on a string and dances there. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I like that. Um, he 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 does have a heart for something deeper, and and the the trappings of being a noted um, member of the Sanhedrin, who is a respected teacher, um, I, I think that gets weary." on him a little bit. And he, he, he is, so Mary, Mary Magdalene, and we're going to talk about her in a minute. She is, she is demon possessed as we first meet her. And Nicodemus, she's, she's causing some trouble in the place in, in the area in which she lives, which they call the red quarter. Mm-hmm. And nobody knows what to do with her. So they call Nicodemus because he's this holy man, right? Come, come deal with this. And he's forced really by the Romans to go into the Red Quarter, which is not a place that, not a place where, you know, good upstanding Jews would go. It's, it's almost like a red light district. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a place of, uh, some, depravity. some, some level of ill repute. Yes. 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 Um, so he, he goes, he goes reluctantly, but the Romans are kind of forcing him because she's disrupting their, their business. Mm-hmm. Right. And he and he goes into Mary's house and he confronts her and he he's trying to cast out the demons and he says the, the words you know that they would have known to say I guess mm-hmm. and it just doesn't work. No, you know, it, no, the, it doesn't the, work at all. <laughs> Mary says to him, or the or the demons inside her say say to him, "We're not afraid of you. You have no power here, teacher." And and so he he leaves knowing that he has failed. And it eats on him. This is the this is the piece of his character that I love. He hates that he wanted to deliver this poor woman from these demons, and he couldn't do it. He earnestly did. He earnestly like he he wasn't just doing it because he was being coerced to by the Romans, and because it it would look good for you know the the religion. He did it because he actually wanted to help yes. the person. So. Yes, he wanted to help Mary, and he couldn't do it, and it. And, and he struggles to understand why he he couldn't do it, you know. Um, and he has this discussion with his wife, you know, uh, about why he couldn't do it. And she said, "Look, you're not an exorcist. Leave exorcism to the exorcist. You 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 just stay in the academy where you're, you know, where you fit." But he know, doesn't know your place. Know your place. Yeah. But he doesn't. He doesn't want that. He wants. He wants his service to God to make a difference. You know. 
Um, and he's he's always Nicodemus is always asking kind of these deeper questions mm-hmm. than everybody around him is focused on keeping the minutia of the law, but he he's looking deeper into all this and really trying to find God in this. He says he asks his wife. Uh, he says this line. He says, "What if, in the law, as we read the law, what if we're not seeing the whole picture? What if it's more beautiful and more strange than we can ever imagine?" I love, I love that question. He says, "There's, there's some." He seems to have this instinct that there's something about God that we're not seeing the whole picture of, in in the law, in reading the law. And of course, we know he, he's right. You know, you don't really understand the fullness of God until we see Jesus. Jesus explains who God is. He shows us who God is. Um, so his wife, when he says that to his wife, what, what if, uh, um, you know, what if there's more to this? She says, don't ever say that in public. <laughs> yeah. Yep. She thinks it's kind of silly and ridiculous and maybe even a little bit blasphemous. But I like Nicodemus. Yep. I like him a lot. I think he's a great, you know, I think he's... He's on a journey. He he wants more of God. He just doesn't know how to find it in the system in which he he lives. So yeah. He's doing his best, mm-hmm. but he knows that there's some gaps that he'd love to figure out. Yeah. So the the next character uh, I want to spend some time talking about this this is going to go. We're at fifty minutes. <laughs> you know, this I, might need to be a two parter. We were uh, no. Um, we were we were talking about this the other day, and I said I, I've listened. I listen to a lot of podcasts, and I I don't listen to too many podcasts where there's two people involved that don't go at least an hour, and sometimes two. So I don't know how long this is going to go, but we're going to go. We're just going to do it. Um, Matthew, the character, the the the, the character of Matthew, the mm-hmm. tax collector, yes, uh, played by um, Paris Patel. Mm-hmm. Um, Somebody who you, probably you've never heard of, but we're going to put a link in the show notes to a video where he talks about being cast as as uh, Matthew. Um, the 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 really sort of intriguing thing, and this will probably set some people off because they, I don't think it should. I think it. I find it very intriguing. Matthew's character in this is is portrayed as. Um, somebody, he, he's like a high-functioning autistic person mm-hmm. or, or, or somebody with Asperger's, which if you've been around people like that, I knew a guy one time who had Asperger's and and yes, he had some social awkwardness, um, but you could ask him, um, so you'd say, okay, um, June 7th, 1842, what day of the week was that? And he'd think about it, and within 10 seconds, he'd tell you, oh, it was a Thursday. Hmm. Like he just, I mean, they can be geniuses, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it's, it's, it's a marvel to, to see that. Um, Asperger's, if you don't know, uh, I'm, I'm going to read you the, the, the definition just so you know what we're talking about if you don't know. Um, it is a neurodevelopmental disorder characterized by significant difficulties in social interaction and nonverbal communication along with restricted and repetitive patterns of behavior and interests. It is an autism spectrum disorder, or ASD, but it differs from other ASDs in the fact that it has people with Asperger's have rel- are relatively unimpaired in the areas of language and intelligence. In other words, they're very intelligent, very good language skills. They just have some kind of quirks. Matthew mm-hmm. comes across exactly that. 
yeah. that way. Yes. Um, so, so what do you what, what do you think about what, what's your take on Matthew's character? Because uh, I find him fascinating. I, I find him fascinating as well, and I honestly, I, I'm automatically sympathetic toward him. Yeah. Um, you know, there's that there's that sense of pity that you have. Because uh, he, because again, he's just someone else who's trying to do the right thing. His position in life has just has gotten him to a place where he can. Uh, he is a tax collector, and you know we see in the first in this first episode we're introduced to what his daily routine is. You know he's he's very well off. He's he's much more well off in his home, uh, in his in his uh, living circumstances than practically every other Jewish person around him. Right. Right. Um, he, you know, he's he's very well taken care of by the Roman government, uh, at least financially. That you know they don't do anything for him else. Uh, as long as he does his job, they pay him for his job, and they pay him very well. Right. Um, but he, but but we see him as just a regular person, uh, regular in the sense that he he wants to do the right thing. He's trying to do the right thing. He has uh, people of his, you know people of his own tribe or people of his own uh, cultural identity that hate him, yeah. that despise him. They don't want anything to do with him. They, they, call, they call him a dog the same way that the Romans called them dogs. Right. And that, that breaks my heart, man. It just, uh, yeah, it's, and, and it's, it's rough. Uh, tax collectors, I mean, boy, they were, that was, a, that was a rough job to be in if you were a Jew because... Roman tax collectors were Jews in in mm-hmm. Palestine mm-hmm. In, in Israel, um, and they were. I mean, you know, Jew, Jews hated the Romans. They were being oppressed by the Romans, but yet here's one of their own collecting taxes for them. So it was, and you can see this in Scripture, right? Um, Zacchaeus, he was a he was a tax collector. Am I right? I, I believe so. I think yes. that's right. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, I know that's right, but you looked at me funny, so it made me doubt myself. No, this is my listening face. <laughs> Sorry, that's your listening face. Okay, um, but yeah, it, people don't like him. Um, Matthew, Matthew's character, um, people find him just odd, in spite of the fact that he's a tax collector, just because he's he's odd. He's mm-hmm. you know his mannerisms are he's almost like um, he's obsessed with cleanliness. Um, yep. In a very kind of obsessive compulsive way, like a, like a germaphobe, a germaphobe. Although they didn't, they wouldn't have understand understood germs uh, back then. But um, but he's a pretty lonely guy. Yeah, you know, really the only the only people he has any real interaction with that you might call friends. It's really just this this Roman um, Gaius. Yeah, Gaius Gaius, think, who's think, who's Gaius, sort of his. Yeah. Uh, Sort of his uh, his handler, I guess, or his yeah. protector. He stands guard at the tax booth mm-hmm. while Matthew's collecting taxes. But you know the Jews are coming to pay their taxes, and he's he's hard. Matthew's hard on them. You know if they don't have if they yeah. don't have enough money or everything. Um, Simon, uh, who we're going to talk about in a minute, he's he's that way. Like he comes, he and his brother Andrew come mm-hmm. to pay their taxes, and they don't have enough money, and it's a pickle for them. And man, Matthew cuts him no slack whatsoever. Yeah, you know, so so yeah, so that he's this he's this outcast, um, in that he's different. Um, anyway, I, I I think 
the development of Matthew and and as you as you see throughout the this season one, again it's it's a brilliant piece of character development, I think. Yeah. And I I don't ha- I don't necessarily have a problem him being depicted as a depicted as a you know somebody with Aspergers or something. Right. Yeah. I, I don't either. I think it's uh, that's where we that's where we again can talk about creative license. Um, yeah, and they certainly used creative license there. Like, there's nothing in scripture that would indicate that he yeah yeah he's that. But I I think it's it's not beyond the realm of possibility at all. You know, somebody right. that's really good with numbers and um, you know keeping track of things. Sometimes the, some of those people those people with Aspergers and such, they're geniuses when it comes to numbers and things. You know, not hard to imagine how somebody could gravitate toward a position like that. But then, right. I don't even know if they had Aspergers back then. You yeah. know, so it's you know that's one of the one of the modern things maybe that they built into the series to you know bring a little twenty first century back into it. Cast and I don't a, I don't have a problem a wider with net, it. One might cast say. a little wider net. I don't have a problem with it. Some people are going to. Get their nose out of joint because of that. I, I but I personally think it. Yeah, yeah, me neither. I think it's. I think it's worth the, the contemplation. Yes. So I, I think it's worth that. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, okay. So Simon, um, uh, also known as Peter, he will later be known as Peter. Jesus will change his name. Uh, he is played by uh, Shahar Isaac. And uh, Simon is, uh, so did, what would you call him earlier? Describe. Oh, uh, every word in the book. Uh, he's, a, he's a hustler. He's a swindler. He's a, uh, he's, see, in, in order to make ends meet, he believes that, uh, you know, if he's, he's primarily a fisherman, but he also gambles, but he also fights, which, I mean, kind of ties in with the gambling. Uh, he, he takes on, he, he tries to, he tries to eke out as much financial security as he can, whatever means necessary. Yeah. Uh, or, or, uh, in, in whatever means necessary. Yeah. Uh, he, he tries to, he's very, he's very brash and he tries to take on the world with a, with a very fierce energy, which that yeah. part is scriptural. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. And he, but he's not, you know, you read scripture and you always get, we, we, we talk about, uh, impetuous Peter. Yeah. Or impulsive, impulsive yep. mm-hmm. Peter. Um, and I, I guess for me, I, you know, I've always read that and thought of Peter as this this sort of brusque, um, kind of hot headed, hot headed guy. Mm-hmm. He doesn't come across that way. Oh, he does. Oh, I think he does. Well, but, but. <laughs> no, he's shrewd and he's and he's a schemer. Yes, he's yeah. not a you know he's not a guy that's just running around looking for a fight to get into. He's oh yeah yeah he's not he's not trying to instigate anything he's no he has a family to provide for and that and he's yeah. trying to figure out how to do that yes however he can he is a he is a tough little scrappy mm-hmm. hustler Any, uh, Shahar Isaac is not a big man no you know um, so so Peter the, the Simon um, is is a smallish sort of character mm-hmm. I guess um, and and he's when we say he's fighting, I guess we should, we should say like he's not a he's not a prize fighter per se. He's fighting predominantly his brother in laws, <laughs> right? Um, because they've been awful hard on him, and and he's trying to get trying to get some money out of him. Right. So so know. it's it's basically like a like a spectator sport where people watching the fight they'll place bets on on who wins, and then uh, Simon and Andrew 
or you know, working the little working they, a little scheme. Yeah, you know? they're, yeah, they're trying to get a little extra money out of it. Simon Simon's the one in the ring, and Andrew's the one who's on the outside with the with the betters, uh, and he's yeah. trying to you know you know up the odds and yeah you know, work, the, to, work the system. Yeah, the work the system. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I think it's hilarious. <laughs> I turned that off. <laughs> I, I did my do not disturb, and I get a call. Friends, before the show, we did do that. We did. We uh, said just we to said testify. Put on "Do Not Disturb." <laughs> but uh, but I do think it's funny that uh, that he is fighting his brother-in-laws or his brothers-in-law. Uh, that's I think that's just hilarious. Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. He's um, yeah. So his wife, his wife is named Eden, mm-hmm. and Eden. We're going to see, and I don't know if it's episode two or three. Um, she thinks the world of Simon, but Simon's getting in, into kind of a, a little bit sketchy place in some of his business dealings and his mm-hmm. schemes to try to make things work. And she's not too crazy about that, Yeah, about the way he's uh, dealing with that. So um, he, he has, um, so he, uh, Simon is, is in dire straits over taxes, right? Mm-hmm. That's his, uh, see, look, I did that. I was looking at my phone. I did do not disturb. And yet I got a call. I don't understand. Phones. It's crazy. Anyway, um, so so he's in a he's in a a negative tax situation, and he's he's in dire straits over that. So he's trying to figure out a way to to fix this. Mm-hmm. Fishing has not been good, and for not for him, not just for him, but for him and Andrew, right? And uh, he's made an arrangement, kind of in desperation, to. Um, one one of the big issues that's coming up, Nicodemus will be dealing with this. The, the Roman um, um, uh, praetor, praetor, yeah, praetor, praetor. They call them, they say praetor on the thing. I don't know. I always said praetor. Yeah. Um, whatever. Uh, Quintus. Uh, you know, he's trying to he's trying to get these people who are fishing on the Sabbath. Not that they care about the Sabbath, but any fish caught on the Sabbath don't get reported and thus don't get taxed. Mm-hmm. So he's concerned about about that. Nicodemus gets involved in that. Um, it's a, it's sort of a big issue in the first couple episodes, but um, Peter Simon in in desperation has made an arrangement with Quintus to turn over some of his fellow Jews who are fishing on Shabbat in exchange for the forgiveness of all the taxes that he owes. So it's a I mean Peter's putting himself in a little bit of sketchy water turning over and then, and it it's an issue with Andrew. You're going to turn over our own. Your own, your, you know, your own mm-hmm. kin, your own family, your own people, to a Roman, like that's a that's a, so so he's in a bit of a bind. Simon is, and we're going to see in the coming episodes how how that's dealt with and how how it all works out. So, it's real quick before yeah. we move on to the next one, just a quick word on Quintus. Yeah, um, with, Quint- a, with a bullwinkle helmet. Yes, with the bullwinkle helmet. Uh, Quintus, this character is—I don't want to say he's one-sided, but he—he he is very antagonistic. And, yeah, and he's—he's very—he's not antagonistic in the way that he thinks, or some might think of a like a, an outright villain. Uh, but he's—he's he's very seedy. He's very. Um, how how would you describe him? He's, well, he's exactly like he's a, he's a someone in, like a Roman in his position would be. Yeah, very exactly. tough. Um, you know, Romans Romans were tough. The, the, the you know the the governors 
Yes. Were yep. tough and brutal and they had very little tolerate toleration for anything that wasn't just going smoothly. Right. Right. And the and, and he comes across very much that way. Oh yeah. Yeah. The and the, the actor playing him, uh again, the YouTube channel for The Chosen is a wealth of information. Uh and there's actually an interview with that actor and seeing the actor on screen uh, playing a character is one thing, but listening to him talk about playing such a, a devious character is, is actually yeah, kind of refreshing. I haven't listened to that one, uh, but I will. And we'll put that, we'll stick that in the show notes too. Yeah. Quintus also we'll have a lot of show notes this episode. That's okay. <laughs> that's okay. We'll probably have a lot of those as we go along, but yeah, that's all right. Uh, find those and, and watch those videos. If you're, if you're interested, it's pretty neat stuff. Um, okay, so the episode really centers around Mary Magdalene. Yes. And, and this is how yes. I want to kind of wrap up this episode with a, a good discussion of her. Um, Mary Magdalene is uh, played by uh, Elizabeth Tabish. Tabish? Tabish? No. Uh, I, don't know, I don't know her, but she does a fantastic job. Um, there, is a, there is a prominent scripture um, in, um, in, this, in episode one. Uh, it's Isaiah 43, verse 1. So the, right at the start of the show, you see young Mary in, you know, 2 or 3 BC, little girl. She's um, um, out there with her father by the tent, and it's bedtime and at night. And uh, she comes out to her father, and she's scared. She can't sleep because she's scared. And her father says to her, to the little girl, Mary, of Magdala, what do we do when we're scared? And she says, we say the words. And he, and her father says, Adonai's words. We say the words from Isaiah. And then he recites this passage. It's Isaiah 43, verse 1. Thus said the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Now that's an awesome scripture. Like it's it's great. Period. It, it is a it is a wonderful wonderful piece of scripture. That that scripture comes up four times in the first episode. Mm-hmm. So you see it first when um, when um, um, little girl Mary recites this with her father. Um, Later on, you see kind of a adult Mary sort of having a flashback to that moment, and you get it recited again. Um, a third time, it happens when uh, Mary, adult Mary, um, has this little. I kind of I call it her emergency scroll. Yeah. Um, she pulls yeah. out this little scroll that she has, and it has that scripture on it, and she and she reads from it in a moment of desperation. And then you see it one other time, and I'll get to that one other time. Right oh, well, we'll get to we'll it. We'll get right. to it. So, okay. So, so we need. I feel like it would be useful to talk about Mary. Who is who is Mary Magdalene biblically? She is an important follower of Jesus, and she is important because she's mentioned uh, a dozen times in the Gospels, uh, more than most of, of the apostles, and more than any other woman in the Gospels except Jesus' mother. Okay. Um, she's called uh, Mary Magdalene, or sometimes we, we call her the Magdalene, because she was from the town of Magdala, which is a fishing town on the western shore uh, of the Sea of Galilee. So she is prominent in the most significant moments in Jesus' ministry. 
Um, she is one of um, four women who are named as being present at the crucifixion. She was there when Joseph of Arimathea buried the body of Jesus along with a few other women. Uh, three days later, she and Mary, the mother of Jesus, are the ones that go to the tomb and find it empty. The resurrected Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene first. She, he, is the, he is the first person, she is the first person to whom Jesus appears um, when she's resurrected. And, and uh, this, like this is just huge if you really understand the, the world back then. According to John, in the Gospel of John, Mary Magdalene was the first one to announce Jesus' resurrection. So the first person that ever proclaimed Jesus' resurrection was a woman, which is pretty remarkable in that day and age, and it was Mary Magdalene, okay? Her backstory, which plays prominently in the movie, is that she is demon-possessed. Um, Mark 16.9 and Luke 8.2 both tell us that um, Jesus had driven um, seven demons out of her. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so, so we need to kind of wrap our heads around what it's like to be demon-possessed in the first century. Um, what, 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 what would you think? What, what's... What's it mean to be demon possessed, Brendan? Oh, uh, off the top of my head, uh, I don't think of Mary Magdalene, but I think of the dude in the cave. Yep. Who, uh, you know, Jesus exercises him and sends the demons into that herd of pigs. Right. And then they go falling off the edge of the cliff or whatever. Right. Uh, so I, I think of uh, very um, emaciated, uh, not very well. Not very well off physically, like you can tell. It's it's drained on them physically. Obviously, they're outcasts. They're isolated. They are um, not welcome and not wanted by other people. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Very much outcast. Um, there's, they, there's like a whole, not just the physical isolation, but the emotional isolation yeah. as well. Right. Uh, they demon possessed people in the gospels are. Um, Often they, they have some sort of almost superhuman strength and they, they lash out violently against the people around them sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's several, several instances of demon possession in which that's true. We see that in Mary's character. Um, she's, she's, you know, she's not, um, in her case, the demons don't affect her 24-7, but when they do, it's... It's horrible and it's violent. And this is the part that's causing the Romans such consternation is that um, she is causing havoc and they don't know what to do about this. Um, Interestingly, in the movie, um, Mary Magdalene is not called Mary Mm -hmm. um, by her her friends. Now, her father calls her that, I I think, right at the beginning of the movie. Mm -hmm. But when she's an adult, she goes by Lily. Now I don't know where that comes from. That's that's certainly not. It's certainly not a anything we see in, in the Bible. You have something to. I, I do. Yeah, I want to jump in on this. Yeah, jump. jump so um, jump away. So in my rewatch this morning, I caught something that I didn't catch before. Uh, they do call her Lily, but Lily is short for Lilith. Okay. And Lilith, uh, there's that there's the Jewish tradition of of Lilith being a, one of the earlier demons uh, listed way back in Scripture or whatever. And it seems that the people believe that she that Mary is possessed by Lilith, 
uh, like a female demon. Okay. Uh, And that's nothing about that. Okay. Check it. Rewatch it. Or I I know you already have. Uh, But there's the, whenever Nicodemus is on the rooftop with the other woman and she's telling him, listen, you got to be careful with, with Lily or she says Lilith a couple of times in that. Okay. And I, and I think it's, I think it's the filmmakers trying to suggest that the, the people around her believe that she is possessed by Lilith specifically. Okay. And Lilith and a slew of other demons. Yes. Yeah. Uh, there's if, more than one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's, there's uh seven according s- seven, to seven. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and I think even um, Nicodemus, when he goes in to exercise her, he even says, you know, Lilith, come out, or 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 demons come out, or something. Like that. I, I don't know if he refers to her as Lilith or I'll not. Have to, I'll have to watch that again. But so, yeah, yeah, check that. Yeah. And um, yeah, so but it's well, clearly anyway. it's clearly one of these kind of creative license things. Right? Yes, yes. Um, that's that's interesting. Go Ta- ahead, toss it back to me. Okay. Also, what the and if if you bring this up later, I'm sorry for jumping the gun, but. Uh, I think it's interesting that that Mary's depiction of demonic possession is also tied into her being raped by the Roman guard. Oh yeah, because that's that's another part of that's that's in the scene where yeah, or she's a, a she, temp, attempted rape anyway. Well, it, yeah, and that's the thing. Like it doesn't it doesn't show the rape, but it. I, I think I personally think I I think it heavily implies. Yeah, uh, yeah, and it seems as though she attacked him, the the, the, she, the demon yeah, power. Yeah, yeah, she, she attacked him in order to get him to stop doing what he was doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and that's probably the thing that set off the Romans is like one of, one of their own gets sort of beaten up by mm-hmm. this woman. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. I, I, it's, it's just, it's a very, again, it's very humanizing. It's very um, endearing. Yeah. And, and heartbreaking. Yeah, very uh, much so. That. And you and you can imagine, you know, regarding the, the kind of use of another name, you know, you can imagine somebody in that kind of position being such an outcast. You can imagine somebody changing their name as an adult just to kind of avoid some shame on your on your family and things like that. Mm. Mary or, or Lily seems to only have one friend, one real friend. And that's this this bartender. I guess I'm gonna call him a bartender. Yeah, I don't know that. what his name was. I never. I, never I, been, I didn't catch it either. But I think, I know I think they about. mentioned it, but I couldn't. I couldn't catch it. Yeah. But he he feeds her. He uh, he medicates her. I guess you'd say a little bit. He gives her some um, some sort of harsh. Got a thick, got a, thick brown liquor. Yeah. Yeah. I don't got know to fight the spirits with the spirits. Five, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, so, you know, Mary's demon possessed. She can't stand it. At one point, she went during the times when the demons are are strong. She, it's just it's painful, mm-hmm. painful for her. She, in a, in a desperate moment, she pulls out this emergency scroll she has and she tries to read these this the scripture that her father read to her, um, because clearly it's an important part of her life, and she just can't hardly get through it because every time she starts to read the demons just get, it's almost like she's having a, a, a almost like a stroke or something it's mm-hmm. just her head hurts it's just so painful she's bawling mm-hmm. she says at one point she says to to her bartender friend 
She says, I am in hell, is her, is her line. So uh, she, she's, uh, she gets to the point in the first episode where she is clearly kind of at the end of her rope. And so what is, what is the, uh, where, does this, where does this lead her? Like what, what, like what do you mean? Like what is her resolution to this demon possession thing? Uh, well, she she doesn't want to, she doesn't want to hurt, and the only way to hurt, to not hurt is to numb the pain, uh, either with alcohol, with uh, with any with a whole slew of other things. She wants to, or the or the ultimate. Yeah, yeah, ending. yeah. I was getting there. Yeah, yeah okay. Uh, the ultimate thing she wants to. I mean, she wants to kill herself. Yeah, it's it's that bad. Yeah, it's uh, that demonic presence in her is is that strong that she. She either wants to numb it, or eventually, what we see in the episode, she 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 gets ready to take that final leap. She walks out to the edge of a cliff mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with the with the intention of throwing herself over and just yep. ending all this. And the, and the was but, it at the Sea of Galilee or was it? Uh, yeah, would would have been. What? Yeah. So and, and just that, I remember that <clears throat> that shot looking down and. That kind of made me a little queasy. Oh yeah, that that yeah. shot made me be queasy, and I get I, I'm very easily queased. So, very so. <laughs> queeze prone. Yeah, there you go. So 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 yeah. So she's out on the edge of this cliff, and she's clearly about to jump, but she doesn't. So mm-hmm. what happens? Why does Why does she not jump? I can't remember to be honest with you. Okay, <laughs> this might have been when I, I was working on schoolwork. A, a dove. Oh yeah, that's what it was. Flies yes. by and catches her attention, and there's just something about that dove. It pulls her back from the edge, and she starts following that dove as it flies. And it leads her. The dove leads her right back to her friend at the bar, her mm-hmm. bartender friend. And um, and she goes in and she asks, basically asks him for a strong drink, and she, he says, "You don't need that." And he says, she says, just give it to me. And I don't know if she's, maybe she's thinking she's going to drink herself to death or I, I don't know. Or she just got to, just has to have this numbed. And she, so he pours her a drink. This is the, like, this is the, the, the end of the movie. And this is why it's such a powerful way to do this. She pours the drink and she reaches out to grab the cup. And just as she's about to lift it up and put it to her, her lips, you see a man's hand come down on her hand and and you hear a voice saying that's not going to help and she immediately starts hurting again her head is pounding and she and she she jumps up and runs out of the bar and this man follows follows her out of the bar and as she's running away he hollers after and he says mary he doesn't call her Lily. He says, Mary. And she stops in her tracks and he says, Mary of Magdala. And she whirls around and she says, who are you? How do you know my name? And he says, this is the part that just gets me. He says to her, the words her father said to her from Isaiah. Thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by, my, by name. 
you are mine. The man is Jesus. He is Adonai. And he takes her head in his hand. And with a shudder, the demons leave. And she breaks down bawling. And he holds her as she weeps. So when I first watched episode one, I knew it was, I knew it was a story about Jesus. And I kept thinking as we're moving through the story, I think, where's Jesus? Where the heck is Jesus? We're not, you know, we go through every scene change. And I think, well, we're going to see Jesus now. We don't see Jesus. We don't see Jesus. But when we finally do see Jesus in the very end of the first episode, it is such a strong scene. So from a, from a filmmaker standpoint, talk about, Talk about holding the that event till the last two minutes of the movie. Oh, I mean, honestly, it's a it's a very good technique in building anticipation and intrigue, and it audience audience members who who want to see Jesus, they're going to lean in, you know, more and more, and and they're gonna they're gonna wise up and pay attention, and they're gonna be alert, uh, and it. Honestly, I th- I think with this example in particular, I think it uh, th- this kind of goes into a point I made earlier, but it um, it shows that this series isn't just going to be about Jesus, but it's also going to be about um, the people that he engages with. So we we've already met four of those prominent characters already. We've met Nicodemus, Mary, Matthew, and uh, Simon Peter. Uh, and we, we see how, we see how they work. And then with holding Jesus off to the last minute, uh, it, it reminds me, and this isn't, a, a one-to-one comparison or anything, but, but there's something in storytelling called the inciting incident. Okay. Are you familiar with that? I've heard that phrase, but t- t- tell us all what it means. So, so basically in, uh, in playwriting or script writing or filmmaking or whatever, the inciting incident is something that happens that that starts the story on the course that it's going to take, from which there is no turning back. Huh. The moment that that we as the audience see Jesus, uh, the moment that Mary sees Jesus, that is the it can be likened to uh, to the inciting incident because, uh, because now, now that we've seen Jesus, now we know that the story has started. Yeah. Everything else, uh, in a way, is kind of exposition. It's uh, it's set, not set building, but it's it's scene building. It's uh, it's putting in the audience's mind. You know, it's giving the space. It's getting the space right. It's painting the picture. But then when Jesus steps on the scene, and especially the way he does with Mary Magdalene, it. Uh, it doesn't answer all the questions uh, at that moment, but it it just it builds the excitement in the audience. I think it it answers the main question. Yeah, yeah, and I feel like I, I felt like when I when I watched it, when you get to that moment, it's like the whole world stops for a moment. If if uh, that sounds that sounds kind of hokey, doesn't it? Oh no. Oh. On that on that point, uh, and and let's and let's let's talk about that scene for just a second. I mean, we already have a little bit, but uh, so when Jesus takes Mary's head in his hands and he holds her, and he, you know, he, it's just after he said the scripture. What we see on screen is we see 
we see Mary like emotionally breaking down. She is, she's beginning to weep. She's beginning to bawl. And then what we start to hear is this, uh, wonderful score, this composition, uh, Unders- oh, yeah. underscoring the scene, yep. uh, a very predominant female vocalist uh, singing a uh, a melody and kind of a lyrical. It, oh, it, it's uh, what did you say? Lyrical or lyrical. alyrical? Lyr- lyrical. Well, I, I, I think it's just. Sang- I don't think they have lyrics. Well, per se. I, no. I, when I say that, I mean, I mean, just a. That's. I'm probably using the wrong word. Well, I, no. I, or I think we're talking about the same thing. Just, though, a, but it's, just it's, kind it's, of a. I, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. Forget I said that. What, I well, said. Go, the, go on. <laughs> what, what I would what I would call that is a is a sub vocal. Okay. So so um, it's not it's it's just a it's a prolonged sound made with uh, made with the vocal cords. That's not necessarily a word, but it's yeah. a but it's a it's a sound, and yeah. it's a sound of relief. It's a sound of of wonder and awe. It's a sound of yeah praise, even in yeah. a way. Uh, she's she's free. Yeah, she's free, and she's and she's everybody knows it, and and it's like her whole life has changed, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, and and that's brought out visually. It's brought out audibly. Th- yeah. th- like it, it's it is it is a majestic moment that's so intimate and so personal and so powerful. You you get the you get the impression like all heaven and earth have have stopped because God has entered the world and mm-hmm. he's and he's and he's on a like he's doing something about the world at that moment and which is which is exactly what Jesus came to do exactly and yeah. and and in that moment um, especially from Mary's perspective. I would say that is what was happening. Heaven and hell were stopping, or heaven and earth were stopping. Hell was being let out of her, and it was just—it's—it's it's a very compelling scene. Yeah. Uh, like I said, the miracles are strong in this one. I, I remember—I uh, remember hearing N.T. Wright say one time, I, I think—I think—I think it's N.T. Wright who said this. Um, he, he's talking about the the. One of the big things Jesus came to do is is defeat the powers of darkness. Mm-hmm. And that first, that first miracle, I, I, I think I think N.T. Wright said this, um, and, I, and I, this this is not a quote at all. But, but he said, at that moment when Jesus did his first miracle like that, there ha- the, the 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 foundations of hell had to shake, yeah, because Satan all of a sudden saw something he'd never seen before. He thought he was ruling this world. And all of a sudden, it's crystal clear that he's not. Yeah. And and I I, I feel like in some way all that comes out in the in the just the last minute of the movie of the first episode. Mm-hmm. And it's just it, it is it is Jesus entered enters the story exactly the way we want him to. And exactly the way we need him to, as a as a savior, as a redeemer, and we're going to see more about Jesus. But when he enters the story, he enters as a savior, as a redeemer, and that's I think that is really, I think they intended that. I think it's really well done to do it that way. It's it's brilliant. 
because that's the way we need him to enter the story. And in a big way, Mary's story is our story. Um, and Jesus' heart for Mary is the same heart that he has for each one of us. And that is what I think you see throughout all this series, I think. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else you want to say about all this that we didn't, we didn't um, talk about before? Well, I... well just, to, just to latch on to a good conclusion, um, I think Mary's story is our story. I think Nicodemus's story is our story. Yeah. I think Simon's story is our story. Yep. And you could, everyone that Jesus is going to come in contact with throughout this throughout this season, and what I, what I'm willing to bank on for the rest of the series, however long they they play it out, um, they're gonna they're gonna frame it in a way it's where these these characters where we've traditionally thought of as side characters, uh, they're gonna make them, they're basically gonna become us. Yeah. In, the, in the story and the way we watch it and yeah. and that's yeah, that's quite so. powerful I think so yeah so if you haven't watched The Chosen yet I can't urge you strongly enough watch it and please you know I'm not getting any, I'm not getting anything out of this but um, help them help them keep this going um, donate donate some money uh, to this pay for your episode as, at, at least and help them continue this because I think this is this is the best Jesus dramatic representation that I have seen in my life, I think. So uh, watch it, and I uh, hope, you'll, hope you'll continue to tune in as we go through the rest of these um, episodes. And with that, I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope you'll join us again next week. As always, we'd appreciate it if you tell others about the podcast. If you enjoy the show, Please subscribe, uh, rate, and review us, but really share it. That's the big thing I want, I want you to do. Please visit us on our Facebook group for the Jesus Society podcast, and uh, feel free to suggest topics or episodes or questions. If you've got questions about The Chosen, um, get on the Facebook group and, and let us know what they are. As we, as we go through with this and, and talk about the episodes, we'd love to hear your questions. And uh, if they're good, we'll, we'll try to deal with them. If we, if we have an answer, we'll try to deal with them which we may not. Mm -hmm. Uh, Check out our website too, thejesussociety.com. Thanks for listening. And remember, as always, you are greatly loved.